Do you want to discover how to become a superhero in the eyes of employees and management? Looking for new ideas to help you get leadership buy-in on group benefit plans and new employee wellness initiatives? Then I'd recommend that you join us at the upcoming Benefits and Wellness Superhero Symposium. Hosted live online between 11.30am and 1pm EST on April 6th and April 7th, the symposium is designed to develop the skills that HR folks need to help get leadership buy-in on group benefits plans. Produced by Thought Benefits and the HR Gazette, each day features an action-packed 90-minute agenda. Get the full lowdown on the event by listening to the Benefits and Wellness Superhero podcast and register through Eventbrite. You can find the links at the bottom of this episode's show notes. And now on to today's episode of the HR Chat Show. Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. The labour market is buoyant right now and demand for talent is at a high. In this HR chat, we're going to focus on how to onboard salaried and hourly workers at scale and consider some of the main recruiting trends of 2021. My guest this time is Thomas Matthew Kotukapali, Senior Director and Partner at MTrust Solutions, a software technology company that provides HR solutions and services in over 40 countries and job locations over internet and intranet networks. So beyond my short introduction there, Thomas, why don't you start by telling our listeners a bit about yourself? First of all, Bill, you know, I'm a software engineer by training. I spent over 20 plus years building out software for, you know, senior executives across enterprise software. I lead Mtrust as a senior director and managing partner, helping to build, you know, solutions. Uh, really, a lot of the credit for building the solutions goes to my wonderful team of employees who spend every day trying to create, you know, wonderful products that can be used by lay people and by HR people to improve, you know, their HR onboarding experiences. So. Um, that's a little bit of background. Um, I've spent some time actually volunteering at the local Sherm chapter uh, where I learned to you know, work with other HR leaders in the space and try to learn from them so we can improve our software. That's a little bit of background about what I do at Mtrust. Perfect. Thank you very much, Thomas. Now then, why don't you take a minute or two and tell us a bit more about Mtrust Solutions. You started mentioning there a little bit about the, the fantastic staff that you have. Uh, please give us an overview of the company. Well, you know, Mtrust, you know, we like to say we are the best of breed provider for, you know, employee onboarding software. Uh, we tend to believe that we are one of the better platforms in the industry today uh, that is focused on creating great employee onboarding experiences, complying with the law. Um, today, our solutions help companies to build in um, recruiting, um, you know, bringing them on and nurturing the employee through their first 90 days, helping companies to fully engage the employee to create great onboarding experiences for them. Uh, we support companies, as like you mentioned, in over 40 plus countries. You know, I think we are on a 41st country today. 
Uh, we have a lot of Fortune 500 companies, you know, name brands such as PepsiCo, um, Cisco, Blackboard, and a couple of others, you know, out of Canada, I believe. You know, we have a great company, Joey's Restaurant, that we support them for, you know, onboarding them out of the U.S. and Canada. So we get a mixture of very large companies and small and medium-sized companies today. Uh, we like to say we are one of the fastest-growing SaaS companies in the HR space, and we have seen a lot of companies just love what we do. So, and I think it's, uh, to my point before, I think it's a great credit to the employees, you know, at my organization who spend their time trying to create the best solutions possible for our clients. Talk to the HR Chats audience about the complexities associated with managing employees across multiple work sites, job locations and countries. How is it further complicated by the needs of salaried versus hourly workers? That's a great question. You know, quite often, you know, when we look at the HR space, there's no one size fits all. You know, cookie cutter onboarding solutions typically doesn't work once you go across multiple borders. So very often companies have to deal with what we call complex laws and regulations, uh, not only in the federal and state space, you know, the U.S. is a hybrid of laws, you know, you know, what you might have in California might be very different from the forms that you may have to have an employee complete, let's say in the D.C. area. Uh, D.C. is where I am from. Um, so we tend to look at, you know, what companies tend to have with the forms that they need to complete. Uh, the hiring for salaried employees, obviously, um, is very different from an hourly worker. With hourly workers, you have, you know, wages uh, that need to be defined, overtime wages that need to be defined. So within our solution, what we try to do is to provide, you know, the regulatory background for companies when they bring an employee on so they can complete, you know, required state and federal level tax forms. The differences between national tax IDs across the board when you're going across, you know, countries. Uh, when we look at just the U.S. social security number versus, you know, a SIN number, a social insurance number out of Canada. So we're finding differences not only in the data that you need to capture, but also in the laws that need to go back in there. One of the other things that we have to look at is that, you know, companies have different record-keeping requirements based on the type of form, how long they need to retain it. If you are a federal contractor today in the U.S., obviously you have to comply very often with uh, something known as employee verification with the Department of Homeland Security's e-verified system. So there are differences between uh, you know, the type of vertical that you are in, the type of people that you're hiring, and where you're actually hiring them at. So what we try to do is to provide you the regulatory framework, put it in a nice little onboarding experience that tells employees what forms to complete, what tasks they need to do, so they're more productive for day one. And I think this goes back to creating solutions that can really make a difference for people who don't want to manage this, but have want to have a company take care of all of it. So that's what we do for them. Increased engagement, lower costs, improved retention, and the shorter hiring process are a few of the benefits of a shift to internal mobility, Thomas. Um, maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit about why companies are prioritizing internal hiring. And if they are doing that, which I, I do suspect you're going to say they are, uh, why, what's, the, what's the reason for that? 
So when we take a look at it, you know, really my answer is it depends. It depends on the size of the company. So for example, if you are a growing company and you're growing from a small base of employees, it's very hard to find that internal mobility to put people in the right positions. And I think especially if you're growing as aggressively as we are, uh, we do tend to hire people from outside. So internal mobility typically can work for you. Uh, if you have, uh, you know, a greater employee size of employees that you can actually fill in, backfill into certain positions, um, our effort, at least on a product side, has been to take a look at and see other employees we can mentor into leadership positions who have spent the time with the company. Uh, and we also look for both vertical as well as an horizontal fit when employees are being looked at from an internal mobility perspective. So the answer is really, if you don't have the talent in-house, you have to go outside. Um, you know, if you do have the talent, I think you want to give opportunities for your employees to actually do better and to actually help them with their career goals as much as possible. So I would tend to say that size of the company matters, the type of people that you're hiring matters. So internal mobility is all dependent on those two factors. So as you know, there's also been a bit of a focus recently, Thomas, on reskilling recruiters themselves. Uh, in fact, new skills are the top growth competency for recruiters at the moment. Uh, these skills are focused on diversity and inclusion, making decisions and learning how to use an HR strategy better. They need to be able to bring clear and continuous talent data to the market marketplace of course uh, implement a new employer brand and streamline the virtual hiring process tell me more about how recruiting has dramatically changed over the past couple of years when it comes to the skills needed well i think bell it goes back to what my core competency is you know i do tend to think that some of these questions are maybe better for my uh, hr operations or tend to work on a day-to-day -day. but here's my take on it right when we look at what companies are actually buying or things that they are looking for, uh, we are finding that recruiting, especially talent acquisition, to your point, is looking at data. You know, where are they hiring from? Which job boards are actually giving them the greatest benefits? Um, you know, where does their final hiring come from? You know, what does that funnel look like for them? Uh, we have seen a great, um, you know, set of automation tools, so AI based into talent decisions that are coming through, you know, which is kind of likely to be a better fit. We have seen the rise of assessments that are helping companies to actually make decisions about, is this the right employee for me? Do they have the right skills? Do they have the right temperament uh, to fill in these positions? Um, so we're seeing the rise of tools such as video interviewing. You know, if you had talked to me about five years ago and talked about, you know, how would interviews be done, I would have said that video interviews were the last on my scale. But, you know, with the pandemic, you know, I think we have seen a great uptick in video interviewing tools out there. Uh, we, are, we are seeing recruiters increasingly use those common means, uh, you know, to actually interview remote candidates as well as local candidates because you can't meet with somebody in the midst of a pandemic. So I think we are finding that the tools that recruiters are likely to use, there is a shift. We have to recognize there is a shift and we have to continue to build and to evolve solutions that will help them. You know, you mentioned diversity and inclusion. Uh, that's something that, as you know, in the U.S., there's been a lot of discussions over the last couple of years. You know, how do we promote minority leadership across these companies? You know, how do we promote women in leadership for that matter? And if you look at some of the stats that we are looking at, uh, we have seen that companies are consciously 
uh, deciding to build in more minority participation are also tending to pay, you know, I would say more equal pay for the same amount of work that has been what I call one of the mantras that has been going across the industry. So I think we are finding those changes starting to start to take place and take shape. And what we also find is that recruiters need to be aware that they can't go back with the older strategy is that they have been used to. They have to learn to use more tools that will help them uh, to analyze the data better that will allow them to hire remotely with remote and interviewing. Um, also take the help of professional assessment tools that are there to actually get a better fit. But, you know, great employees, you know, typically starts with a great fit. Um, so if you put a round peg in a square hole, it's typically not going to work. So I think people are tending to use some of these skills, you know, uh, to define what that looks like for recruiters. Well, I guess that could be a moot point in the coming years, actually, Thomas, uh, because many employers believe that the entire recruitment process will be automated by the end of the 2020s. You know, organizations across the globe have reshaped their talent acquisition procedures with increased use of, for example, automated HR tools and, of course, AI. What's your take? I, I don't believe so. I think there could be a lot more automation. I think we are seeing the rise of automation. But I do believe that, you know, that personal touch, the ability for an employee to go and talk to an HR person, um, to, you know, tell them what their problems are for, a, you know, for HR to look at their performance, to mentor them, to set goals for them. That is still a part of human interaction that you need to have. So I don't think a mission is ever going to replace that, uh, you know, mission in that, um, you know, human interactions that you need to do with your employees. I, one of the great downsides of the remote work is that, you know, you're no longer meeting in person. So companies have to say, how do we encourage team collaboration? Uh, how do we keep people's mental health going? You know, because, you know, there's so only so much you want to do. So I don't believe primarily because of those reasons, you're likely to have a full automation happen. We will see automation increase in hiring decisions. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, very often, you know, today, actually, into some of the tools that I'm seeing across the board, even when you're hiring somebody, the system will allow your top candidates to rise up based on how your resume has been built up, how the skills that you have will match up with the jobs that you're looking for. Uh, we are seeing that, you know, uh, the ability to score individuals based on responses that you provide so that your top candidates are automatically ranked. Those are changes that you will see continue to happen. Uh, we're seeing the rise of chatbots that will help employees to guide them through the recruiting, through the onboarding experiences. So we're seeing a lot of AI-based tools that will actually help employees in the journey to find the right carrier. But I think the human touch that you get with HR working directly with people either as part of HR orientation, as part of training and uh, selecting the final down select, I think that is still going to require that human touch. That's just my opinion, but I believe that is a trend that we will see. We'll see a lot more automation, but I think we're still going to need people. Okay, thank you. Well, I guess uh, there's only one way, listeners, to, to find out, and that's to remain uh, an avid listener of the HR Chat Show, uh, well up to... 2030 and beyond and then we'll we'll all know for sure anyway let's continue through thomas 
In the wake of the pandemic, we've seen a dramatic increase in the hiring of recent graduates and first-timers. Wages have gone up too. Uh, Here's a quote for you. According to a recent report from the National Association of Colleges and Employers, the average starting salary for the college class of 2020 was $55,260, a 2.5% increase on the class of 2019 and an 8.5% increase on the class of 2018 among graduates who majored in science technology engineering and mathematic fields average earnings were even higher end quote why are companies so reliant on grads to fill the talent gaps at the moment i think that is uh, going to be a trend in the sense well you have the great uh, resignation as you like to call it right you know people are opting not to come back to the workforce we had single um, moms or mothers, you know, people who are managing children at home that are try- struggling with the pandemic to help their children with classes um, as well as with the work that they have to do at home, which really don't have the childcare support that they need to get back to the workforce. So these are real trends that we have to recognize. Um, we also have to find, you know, the replacement positions for people who are aging out from the workforce, you know, and that's a very natural part of it. Um, so when we look at, you know, classes of employees, you talked a little bit about salary increases. I can tell you for a fact that is very true. You know, it used to be that, uh, you know, three years ago, you would offer somebody a starting salary and they'd be very happy. We are finding that the experiences are people are now asking for more. They recognize that they can get more. They're negotiating better on their starting salaries. Um, So I think you're always going to get that fresh look at talent that is either replacing talent. Now, that is happening at what I call the starting positions. I don't think you're going to find fresh talent come into a middle management position that is going to be so hard to fill. And I think that's where the challenge for most companies are. Filling out those people who might be senior or in mid-level positions that are either, you know, deciding to opt for a career change or opting out of the workforce, trying to get those positions filled, I think, is going to be the great challenge for companies, not necessarily at the low-end positions or the starting-level positions. But I think across the board, we are seeing salary increases, and I think that is going to be a trend. Hey, Thomas, we are coming towards the end of this particular interview. Um, A couple more questions for you. The concept of a successful onboarding process was fundamentally redefined by the pandemic and remote work, of course. Can you wrap up today by sharing what you're seeing that's working when it comes to making employees feel welcomed as part of the onboarding process? That that's a, that's a great question, right? So a successful onboarding, I think, really starts by giving employees the information to be successful from day one. So a, a lot of the tools that are out there actually help to you know, onboard employees, you know, with forms. I think employees want to see more than forms as part of the employee onboarding. They want to see, feel, especially if they're working remotely, what does their team look like? Who are they going to report to? Do they have great mentorship into the company? So I think some of the tools that we are talking about, successful onboarding, goes back into team awareness, you know, who they're working with, you know, what type of training that you can provide for them remotely. Yeah, especially if they're working remotely, which is one of the big challenges that you have at starting level positions. How do you mentor and train a star, you know, employee that is starting out when you don't have them coming into an office where you could typically train them? 
Um, well, there are differences of opinion between, you know, is online training as effective as being working with somebody that you're working with side by side? And I think a lot of that goes back to employees are now setting them up with maybe a mentor, um, somebody that's a work buddy that can actually show them how, you know, that, um, you know, the first few months can actually look like. And I think that makes for a successful onboarding. Um, I think we are also finding that as part of the onboarding, uh, getting to know company policies, you know, letting them know what the do's and the don'ts are. How does working in Washington, D.C. work differently for somebody working in Toronto? Making sure that they get to see local experiences and know who the local people are. Uh, I think that tends to make a difference because something that people can connect with. So I think a successful onboarding really goes back into not only providing them forms to complete, but also creating great experiences for them that will help them with, you know, performing better on the job, setting out goals for them within the system. So I think it goes back to, you know, building out missing pieces that may not be there in your onboarding program today. Awesome. Thank you. And just finally for today, Thomas, how can how can our listeners learn more about you? So, for example, I got lucky. I reached out to you on LinkedIn and the timing was just right to set up this interview today. Um, so maybe LinkedIn's the place to connect with you personally, but also how can they learn more about Emptrust Solutions? Uh, please give us a lowdown. Well, I think the best way to learn more about the company, about M-Trust, and, you know, very often people ask us, how do you spell M-Trust, you know? And I like to say this is the easiest way to remember us. Employees Trust HR, and that's the job mandate. That uh, That's how we actually look at a software. Can we make it easy for employees to actually use a platform for HR people to actually provide the trust relationship with the employees? So M-Trust HR, EMP. Trust HR, www.mtrusthr is the best way to find us on the web. You can also find us at different conferences, but you know, very often if you're trying to reach me, I think LinkedIn is the best. I tend to respond to emails better and to LinkedIn better than actually looking at you know my phone or picking up on my voicemail. So just some closing thoughts, mtrust, www.mtrust.com, or if you search on mtrust HR in Google, we should actually be able to come up as the first page that you're looking for. So thank you again, Bill, for having me on the show. And thank you, Thomas. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.